Let's take our Bibles and go to Revelation chapter 12, if you would, please. For those of you that are guests, we are preaching uh, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, through the book of Revelation. We are seeing the story about how Jesus brings everything to an end, and when it's all said and done, Jesus wins, and we are on his side. That's a good side to be on. And so, uh, as we continue through this book, one thing that we have uh, sought to do is to read out loud the book in its entirety. And so we are in chapter 12. We are actually more than halfway done reading the book. So if you've never read a complete book of the Bible yet, you can just come every Sunday and we'll get through the book of Revelation together. It's been a wonderful, wonderful blessing. And God says the people that read the book out loud and seek to do uh, what it says uh, can expect a special blessing from the Lord. And so that's why we are uh, doing this. So we're back in the, this after a wonderful sermon last week by Pastor Thrift. And now today we jump back in uh, the book of Revelation. And let's follow along as I read. And you read out loud with me, beginning at verse number one. Ready, begin. Now a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his head. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God and his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared by God, that they should feed her there 1,260 days. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast down to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea for the devil has come down to you having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. Now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the presence of the serpent. 
So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Amen. Some of y'all are like, that's why I keep coming. Because I read a chapter like that and I think, what on planet earth is happening here? And uh, we'll get to that in just a minute. But before we do, let's pray. Let's ask God to help us as we open up his word in just a moment. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of God. And now today as we uh, look at this uh, seemingly bizarre passage, may we um, receive from it what you would have us to receive. May we be on guard, Lord. May we watch and be hopeful. And Lord, I pray you'll bless each of us as you have promised for the public reading of this text. For these things we pray in Jesus' name. Well, I had two church members do their very best to discourage me this morning. First, it was Rhonda. She intentionally wore a purple shirt and black pants and proceeded to tell me that she had a distant 15th cousin that lived in Baltimore, and that was the reason why she was cheering for the Ravens today. I said, you do know we do church discipline for things like this. And then the Statsneys walked in from Baltimore. They just moved down to Jacksonville, and they're all purple decked out too, and I thought, what's going on here today, you guys? You're trying to throw me off my game. You're trying to mess with me. This doesn't even start till 3 o'clock this afternoon. And I was trying to, like, put it out of my mind so I could focus on this. And here those Baltimore fans came uh, trying to irritate me today. <laughs> Job well done. <laughs> of course, you know, by now I'm a rabid Chiefs fan, and uh, we're excited about the playoffs, and today we're actually in our sixth straight AFC championship game, sixth straight AFC championship game. Here's the good news, I'll be watching uh, the game from the same place that the Jaguars will be and the Bills will be, so it's all good. Last week, last week, 50 million people tuned in to watch the divisional game between the Bills and the Chiefs. And it was another extraordinary game. Since 2020, no Bills and Chiefs game has been decided by more than six points. Most of them by a field goal, including this last week's game. It's turning into a bit of a rivalry that nobody expected. If you're a Chiefs fan, you would definitely be uh, understanding rivalry against the Broncos or the Raiders, but the Bills in these last few years have come on super strong with a great quarterback, and it seems to be somewhere near the playoffs or in the playoffs, the Chiefs and the Bills are going to tee off, and, uh, and it's going to be really an epic game, and there's no foreseeable end to this epic rivalry. Two young quarterbacks, two young teams, 
both with years ahead of them. It could very well be that somewhere along the season, every year, the Bills and the Chiefs are going to intersect with amazing implications. And, 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 and you, you no doubt have teams and uh, rivalries that you enjoy in the same way. Every time you play, it's going to be epic. Every time you play, there's going to be a showdown. All eyes on the field. Everybody knows what it's like to have a, a team in an extremely high uh, uh, stakes conflict. But in our passage of Scripture today, we are going to learn about the conflict of the ages. The greatest, longest lasting, most intense and most significant conflict in the history of the world. It is a conflict that is always waged from the fall of Satan, and it will wage until the end of time. And that is a conflict, an ongoing bitter spiritual war between Satan and God and his people. Now, you got to understand, Satan's war is on two different fronts. First of all, it is directly against God. And we'll see that illustrated in our passage today that there was and always will be a war between God and Satan. All the way from pre-creation, uh, the angels and God uh, were in a cosmic conflict. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But believe me, there's always a war between Satan and God or good and evil, right and wrong. But, but make no mistake about it, friend. Because of that, there is also an ongoing battle between Satan and the people of God. The offspring, if you will, those who follow Jesus Christ. Just like Jesus said uh, to his apostles, if they hated me, they will, in fact, hate you. The final battles of this war against God are yet to be fought. In fact, what we're reading about here in Revelation chapter 12, it's been about a week, so let me catch up real quick. Chapter 11 introduces the seventh trumpet. Remember, the tribulation period is broken up into three sets of judgments. There's the seal judgments back in chapter 6 and 7 and such. We've already preached through those. There's the trumpet judgments, I believe chapters 9, like through 11. And the seal, the seventh seal, opens up the trumpets. The seventh trumpet is going to open up the seven vile judgments. The seven vile judgments are the uh, intensified final three and a half years of the tribulation period. We already started looking at that last week. Remember when the seventh trump sounded, what happened? Uh, the Bible says they announced that the kingdom of our God has come. Meaning, all the prophecies and all the prayers and everything that's been pointed to this culmination of all things is now on us. And at the end of those three and a half tribulation periods, literally Jesus is going to wipe out evil forever and he's going to reign on this earth and then through all of eternity. How many of you are looking forward to that? And, and, and after Revelation 11 and this, this trumpet blows... We go into about a, a chapter, actually two chapters, really think of it like a parenthesis. Chapter 12, there is a illustration, I'll talk about that in just a minute, but then chapter 13, there's a discussion of the Antichrist and the false prophet. We're not going to get into the bold judgments for quite a while yet. And so in this parenthetical time, after God says, the kingdom's here, the kingdom has come, 
And he's going to step back in chapter 12, and he's going to show John a vision or a sign. And this vision, now think about it like this. This vision is a picture of Satan, of God, and God's people in a cosmic conflict from the beginning of time. And that's what we're going to learn about this morning. I want you to know this. You are in a battle. If you do not know you're in a battle, you need to slap some water on your face. You need to get your nose back in the book. And you need to realize today, this is not a playground. This is a battleground. Folks, we entered. When you were born, and certainly when you were born again, you entered, listen to me, you entered into a conflict that has been raging since creation. It has been raging since Jesus told the serpent that, that Christ is going to crush his head, a prophecy of the gospel, a prophecy of the future of all things. Folks, listen, do not make a mistake and think that Satan is not here to wreck, ruin, and destroy your life, your home, your testimony, your family, and everything in it that is good and right. We're in a war today, church. And Revelation 12 explains what this war is all about. So number one, I want you to see this. The conflict is illustrated. The conflict is illustrated. Now, as you get into chapter 12, there is a key phrase that if you don't get it, you're not going to understand the whole chapter. You ready? Look at verse 1. Now, a great sign appeared in heaven. Now, verse 3. And another sign appeared in heaven. This word sign is, is the same word that is used throughout the Gospel of John connecting Jesus' miracles to what they point to. For instance, at the end of John's Gospel, John says, Jesus did many other signs than the ones I wrote to you about. But these are written, these seven signs are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. So what is a sign? A sign is a picture. A sign is a witness. A sign, think of it like this, is, a, is, is a, an illustration. It's an analogy. It's a metaphor. And what is going on in earth, and John is about to witness what is going on on earth, God is going to throw up a sign in heaven, kind of like a movie, and he's going to throw it on the big screen of the heavens, and he's going to show John what is really going on as it relates to what's happening on this earth. Now, folks, the conflict is what's really going on in the world. And in order to understand the conflict, you need to, you need to be able to answer three questions. And I want to do that really quickly, and then we'll get into the real application here. In order to understand Revelation chapter 12, you've got to answer three questions. Ready? Number one, who is the woman? Number two, who is the child? And number three, who is the dragon? Now, without going into an incredible amount of detail, detail that you could study on your own, let me give these to you in short order, okay? The woman is Israel. Israel, remember, Israel is the focus of the tribulation period. Israel have been God's chosen people for, for millennia. Israel is where Jesus came from. He was a messianic, uh, the messianic fulfillment of prophecies to the Jewish people. Uh, literally, quite literally, Jesus, okay, uh, came from the Jewish people. Now, some people interpret the, 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 uh, the woman to be the church. The problem with that is the church came from Christ. Christ didn't come from the church. So really, Israel is in focus here. Israel received the promises. Israel was able to literally bring forth the Messiah to rescue the world, okay? Now, number two, obviously, the child is the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Now, in verse number 5, it talks about a child was born who would rule and reign with a rod of iron. Also, this child was going to be ascended and caught up to reign, verses 5 and 6. And so we know, without a doubt, in fact, I love how the New King James puts a capital C on the word child. I think that's good. They, they knew who this was talking about. Not just a lowercase c child, but a capital C child, none other than Jesus Christ. And then, of course, it should be very obvious because the text actually interprets itself. Uh, who is the dragon? Well, the dragon is obviously the devil. Notice, if you will, in chapter 12 and, and, and verse uh, number, uh, let's see, I'm in verse 3. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his head. Seven, of course, is a number of perfection or completeness. Uh, the heads and the diadems represent his authority. We've already told you that Christ has for whatever reason and his purposes given the devil reign and rule over certain kingdoms and certain places. We know that, that according to the text here, the seven could also be a fulfillment of the seven consecutive kingdoms that had ruled all the way from Egypt to Rome to Antichrist's future. Now, folks, mark this down. Read Ephesians chapter 6 where it says this. We battle against spiritual wickedness in high places. You want to know one place where Satan inserts his ugly head more than any place? It's in the political governments of this world, a world that is pushing an agenda that is against God being a literal political pawn in the hands of the devil. The Bible says uh, that this this. This great fiery dragon, verse 4, watch this, had a fall. His tail, watch this, drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them down to the earth. And then the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. The Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12, how Lucifer fell from heaven. The Bible also tells us in Jude chapter 1, verse 6, and 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, how that some of the angels fell with the devil. So when the Bible says that the devil was cast down to earth and his tail reached out and grabbed some of the stars and they were flung to earth, the picture here is of the fall of Satan and of the fall of the demons that came with him. So that is the conflict illustrated. I didn't want to spend a lot of time on that because I really want to get to the application portion. But please, you've got to have that in mind. The woman is Israel. The child is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the dragon is the devil himself. So now that we've seen that, let's learn secondly about the conflict is instigated. In verses 7 through 12, the Bible teaches us who Satan is, watch it, and how he fell to this earth. Notice please verse 7. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. Somebody better help me with an amen here. But they did not prevail. They tried to fight. They tried to war it out in heaven. Michael and his angels defeated the devil and his angels. Verse 9, watch this. So the great dragon was cast out. Now verse 9 is going to explain to us in no uncertain terms who the dragon is. Look at here. It says, he is the serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. 
Now, folks, I believe verse number nine is one of the greatest many seminars on who the devil is in the entire Bible. I want everybody to look right here, and I want you to listen very carefully to the words I'm getting ready to say. The devil is real. The devil is a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. And verse 9 describes him better than maybe any verse. He is the great dragon, speaking of his ferocity, his terror. You know, people look, you, 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 whatever you do, don't, let's, not, let's not act like this is a joke. Well, I talk about hearing people make jokes about the devil and cartoons about the devil. Folks, I'm here to tell you, this is no joke. He is ferocious. He is a terrorist. He is real. And you better gird your heart up. You better gird your mind up because there is absolutely nothing funny or cheesy about the devil. He is real and he is destructive. Notice he is an ancient serpent. Look at this. It says that serpent of old. Now, as anybody can obviously see here what the reference in verse 9 is to, it is a reference to the serpent back in Genesis chapter 3 that deceived Adam and Eve. The devil literally incarnated a serpent and beguiled Adam and Eve and deceived them and deceived Eve. You know what he did? He lied to her. He said, does God really care? Did God really say? Are there really going to be consequences for what you do? Can I say, Satan's doing the same thing. Here's the great news. Here's the great news. You do not have to be ignorant of Satan's devices. If he did it to Adam and Eve, he'll do it to you. If he tried to do it to Jesus in Matthew 4 and Luke 4, he's going to try to do it to you. And what's he going to say? He's going to say, he did not say that. He did not mean that, and nothing negative is going to happen if you sin against God. I'm here to tell you, there ought to be a spiritual antenna that goes up in your heart every time a thought like that crosses your mind. Did God really say that? Did God really mean that? Is God really going to do that? Are there really going to be consequences for my sin? Notice he goes on and says this. He calls him, here's the word, the devil. The word devil literally means accuser or slander. I read this, this this week. I love this. The devil is a pesky spiritual tattletale. Any of you guys got a tattletale in your home? I'm not going to tell you which of my five kids is the little pesky tattletale, okay? I mean, the one who is always coming to us telling us every little thing the other ones do and we always say look if this is not an emergency or this is not a sin if this is not a crime if nobody's hurt please keep that to yourself who in the world likes a tattletale nobody but let me tell you what the devil is the devil is a spiritual tattletale if you don't believe me go read job chapter one and job chapter two where the bible says that literally satan runs around the earth going to and from in the whole earth running around checking out people's business looking on their computers looking at their marriage fights Looking at the ways they do not raise their kids, but let a pad or a tablet or a screen raise their kids. Somebody better help me up here. He's walking around looking at every little dirty secret, every little dirty thing that you've done. Guess what he does? He runs it north up to heaven and he stands before God and he says, you know what that clown did today? You want to know what that lousy husband said today? You want to know what that woman did today? You want to know what she was thinking today? You want to know what she posted today? And nonstop, friend, the old devil stands up in front of heaven and he throws out wicked and vile accusations against us. But I got to tell you, I got good news for you today. 
today. While the devil throws his accusations against us, we have an advocate with the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. And every single time, the old devil will stand and try to throw an accusation at who? I can just see Jesus stand up with his wounds in his hands and his wounds in his side and say, yeah, you know what? You're exactly right. He did it, but it is covered. It is covered. And friend, here's the other thing. Not only will Satan accuse you to God, he will accuse you to you. I will promise you this. If the thoughts and the fears are taking you backwards instead of forward, that is Satan, not God. If it's trying to tell you how lousy you are instead of the hope that you have in the Lord, that's the devil. That's not God. If it's trying to constantly remind you of what you did in your past and, and what kind of lousy person you are, those are not thoughts that come from God. Those are thoughts that come from the devil. And i got to tell you, you've got to know you have an accuser and you've got to call him what he is. Then notice this. It says here his name is Satan. Literally adversary. Literally the enemy. The one who deceived the world. The murderer. The one who literally is trying to, to destroy everything about you and me. This is why the songwriter said, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper, he amid the flood of mortal ills prevails. Watch this. For still our ancient foe does seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate on earth is not his equal. You have an enemy. But I got good news for you. Not only do you have an enemy, you have a defeated enemy. Maybe y'all didn't hear what I tried to throw out to two seconds ago. You have a defeated enemy. You have an enemy that was cast out of heaven. And look at verse 11. You have an enemy that was overcome by the blood. Overcome by the word of our testimony, overcome by the commitment of people that stay faithful and true to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible tells us in John 12, judgment is upon this world. Now the ruler of the world will be cast out. Listen to this, Romans chapter 16, verse 20, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 declares to us that through Jesus he rendered powerless him who had the power of death. That is the devil. Are you listening to me today? I'm telling you, through the Lord Jesus Christ, we are more than conquerors. We are on the winning side and the Satan ultimately is a big, giant loser. The conflict is illustrated. The conflict is instigated, but watch this. This is where the rubber meets the road. The conflict is intensified. Look, if you will, at verse 13. Look at this. Now, when the dragon saw he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. When he saw he was defeated, and in fact, back up to verse 12. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, watch, because he knows that he has a short time. Now, when you look at verse 6, let me just back up to verse 6 for a second. It talks about the 1,260 days. And then go down to verse 14. Let me show you one other thing real quick. It says this. 
it says that the woman was hidden for a time and times and half a time. Now, folks, we've already talked about the days in this language before. You can reference this in Daniel 7.25 and Daniel 12.7. The 1,200 days plus is a reference to three and a half years. And listen to this language, a time and times, at least two, and a half a time. Three and a half. Now, what is being spoken of here by God to us? We are in a conflict right now, no doubt. But at the three and a half mark of the tribulation period, the halfway point, when the Antichrist breaks his covenant with Israel and begins to receive worship in the temple, we already talked about that in chapter 11, and we're going to learn more about Antichrist next week in chapter 13. Satan is literally going to be infuriated in such a degree, knowing his time is short, knowing he's only going to have three and a half years left, he is going to unleash the most ferocious and awful, intense persecution and attack on the woman and on her seed. And if you go down to verse, uh, let's see, verse, yeah, verse 17, and the dragon was enraged with the woman and he went to make war, with, watch this, with the rest of her offspring. I believe that's a reference to even Gentiles that come to Christ in the tribulation period because Israel is the woman and more of her offspring, not Christ, more of her offspring would be those Gentiles that have come in. Folks, it's going to get intense. This battle is going to rage. This battle is going to be intense. But let me tell you something here. In the midst of the spiritual battle, God has a way of protecting his people. Now, I want y'all to start zeroing in on me here. Because some of y'all look lost. I get it. This is crazy. I understand. But I'm getting ready to zero in with some nuclear application for you in your life. Are you listening to me? The devil hates you. The devil is going to intensely try to destroy you. But listen very carefully. God is going to take care of his woman in the wilderness. He's going to cover her in the shadow of his wings. God can and will protect you if you'll let him. Look at this, verse 14. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time, times, and half a time from the presence of the serpent. Verse 15, so the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman. They might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman. The earth swallowed, opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. Very easy to try to get tripped up and interpret in these verses to mean something bizarre and dramatic that God never intended. Like the wings eagles are B-52 bombers and that's how God's going to exodus his people. Look, look, folks, it's simple. Wings is a picture of God's protection all throughout the Bible. The wilderness is where God took his people and cared for them repeatedly with manna and with the fire and with the cloud. All this is is imagery explaining the fact that Jesus is going to take care of his people. How is he going to do it? I don't know. That he is going to do it is absolutely unquestioned. Are you listening to me today? If you are a Christian, Satan cannot touch your soul. He cannot get to you and cast you into hell. But I'm here to tell you one thing he can do is try to trip you up in this battle. He can try to take you down. And listen very carefully. He already failed to take down Jesus. He tried to take him down at Calvary. But Jesus kicked the ends of the grave out and walked out on the third day and won the victory. And you know what old, the old devil did? He said, I can't whip Jesus, but I'll try to whip his people. 
Now, as we close this thing, don't get like I'm, I'm not almost done. I don't even know why I said that. But let me just say, as we wrap today, I want to give you five statements. Five ways in which you can battle this conflict. You're in the conflict right now. Right here, right now, it's on. It's real. And how many of you know, how many of you, without even too much explanation, agree with me, you're in a battle. You know you are. It's for your kids. It's for your family. It's for your mental health. It's for everything in the world trying to trip you up and throw you down. I'm here to tell you today, you ought to walk out of this room today armed in the power of God, ready to fight spiritual warfare. Now, how are you going to do that? Let me give you five statements here very carefully. Number one, do not let the devil keep you from heaven. There's no doubt there's somebody in this room here today that does not know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You will use excuses. I don't trust Christians. I don't know if it's all true. How can you really be sure? The devil will use delays, not today, maybe tomorrow. Tomorrow's a date on a fool's calendar. There could be somebody here saying, I'm just not ready. Well, my friend, I'd urge you to get ready. The Bible says now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Don't let the devil get you to hell just because you wanted to put it on snooze. Your intellectualism will send you to hell. The fact that you've got to figure it all out, you've got to know everything, got to dot your I's, cross your T's, and some of you are smarter, you think, than God. Listen very carefully. You must come to Christ by faith, not by figuring. People will keep you from heaven. Religion will keep you from heaven. Thinking you can save yourself, thinking you're good enough to earn your way to heaven, or living in the guilt and shame that your good works simply cannot do it, so you run as far away as you run from Christ. Let me tell you, friend, today, drop your religion, drop your excuses, drop the people in your life that are keeping you back, drop your intellectualism, do not delay one more second, stop making excuses, and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ today. Number two, listen very carefully, do not be ignorant of his devices 2 Corinthians 2.11, you should not be ignorant of his devices. Friend, the worst place you could be in your Christian life is to not know how the devil works. How does he work? Listen, it's really simple. He's a liar. He lies. Not only does he lie, he will amplify your fleshly, natural desires, and he will exploit them, and he will ruin you. For instance, 1 John 2, 15 through 17 tells us what those desires are. It's materialism. I want more. It is notoriety. I want to be somebody. It is sensuality. I want to feel and experience things, even if they're against the will of God. Friends, listen, those are the three ways the devil will take any Christian down. I was so proud of one of our men at the men's stakeout uh, 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 last Friday night, and he wrote an email to our campus pastor, Aaron, and he said, I listened to that message on Friday night, and he said, I had just taken a job, literally just accepted a job that was going to take me out of church every Sunday, and he said, I went home Friday night after that message being crucified with Christ and living for the Lord right now. What's it supposed to look like now? He said, I wrote my boss that night and said, you know what? I'm sorry. I can't do that. My convictions tell me I'm supposed, y'all aren't even listening to me. I'm talking about somebody that just looked the devil right in the face and said, you tried, you tried, you tried to get me out of church. You tried to keep me on the sideline. You tried to make me live for money and no thank you, devil. Boy, some of y'all ought to catch on to that. 
Letting any and every single thing keep you back from your spiritual priorities, keeping you back from your family, keeping you back from what actually matters in your life. Don't you see it? Don't you see that making more money isn't going to be the answer for you? Don't you see that somebody thinking you're a big deal isn't going to miss? Hey, don't you see that pornography and running around against the Lord on your family isn't going to cut it? Don't be ignorant. Number three, don't give place to the devil. Ephesians 4.27 says we do not give place to the devil. Friend, you ought to go home and you ought to hang a no vacancy sign up on your front door and say, you are not welcome here anymore. And what avenue has the old, old devil been getting into your life through a relationship, through your computer, through your work, through your financial uh, commitments, whatever it is, and it's, it's tearing your spiritual life down. I love that old movie, War Room, where finally the girl whose marriage is falling apart, she just starts praying. And I, I remember, I'll never forget that scene where she goes in and grabs all of her shoes. She was cleaning her shoes in the living room. She grabbed all those stinky shoes and walked out and threw them out on the porch and she cried out to the devil and said you're out of here no more of this in our home you know some of you ought to think about maybe doing that today there's some kids in this room right now you listen please you're letting the devil into your home through the screens of your kids y'all don't have to say amen I agree with myself and all in the name of your own conveniences the devil literally slithered right into your home, wreaking and destroying and causing havoc and everything around you, just so you don't have to deal with the kids. Well, listen, you brought them into the world, it's time for you to start dealing with them. There's some men in this room, God help you, I'm telling you right now, you on your screen, you've welcomed the devil right into your home. You've given place to the devil. There's some husbands and wives in this room right now. You're not right with each other. You know it. God knows it. Your spouse knows it. Nothing's right. There's no peace. There's no harmony. And guess what you've done? You just, you just turned on a neon light on your front porch, and it may as well just said, devil, come on in. We got a spot for you right here on the couch. You don't give place to the devil. You kick him out. Whatever's bringing him in, you, you get rid of him. Number four, do not give in to his ruthless temptations. James 4, 7, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. At the end of the day, you still got to say no. You still got to have the word of God. You still got to fight and wrestle with flesh, not with flesh and blood, but with spiritual wickedness in high places. You got to put on the armor of God, number five. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Friend, I'm here to tell you, on your spiritual birth certificate is the word champion. Victor. Winner. More than conquerors through Christ. Now, how sad would it be to be on a winning team but be losing every day it's time for some of us to re-engage the conflict knowing that we're on the winning side take whatever steps are necessary probably from this list to ask God 
to help us win again. Let's pray. Oh, listen, friend. There's at least two or three things here I think you ought to think about. Two or three. One. One. Maybe there's someone here and you are not saved. You are not saved. If you died today, you have no certainty that you'd be on your way to heaven. I mean, right here, right now, you might, be a, you might come to this church every week. This may be your first time you walked in the door, but I, let me ask you a personal question between you and God. If you drop dead today, I mean, you never made it home. Your vehicle never pulled in your driveway. You never put a bite of your lunch to your mouth. You died. Are you sure you're going to heaven? Sure. I mean, absolutely, 100% sure. If not, don't let the devil keep you out of heaven. Right here, right now, today, open up your heart like the front door of your house and welcome Jesus into your life right now. You say, preacher, how do I do that? Well, I believe Christ is God and Christ died for my sins, shed his blood for me and rose again the third day. And then I accept him by asking him to be my savior. It's very simple. The Bible says, call on the name of the Lord. You will be saved. It's not that hard. It's not complicated. The devil wants you to think it's hard. The devil wants you to think you got to do something. You got to be something. You got you to give money. You got to be the best you you can. You, the devil will tell you guys that God won't even accept you until you clean your act up. I'm here to tell you right now, God accepts sinners. And he says, welcome, welcome. He, in fact, he says this, come unto me, all you who labor and you're heavy laden, you're burdened. I will give you rest. Come to Jesus today. Right now, right here. No excuses. Right where you're seated right now, just lift up your heart. You can even lift up your voice and pray and ask God to be your Savior right now. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If you've never prayed and asked God to be your Savior, would you do it right here and right now? Just lift up your heart by faith and just say something like this. Dear God, go ahead, do it, man. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. Pray these words. I cannot save myself. But I believe in Jesus. I believe he died for me and rose again. Today, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for loving me. Help me not to be ashamed of you. right here right now let me ask you this question is there somebody here today somebody one person many people who say preacher I just prayed that prayer just now I just called out to Jesus and asked him to save me I prayed it I meant it and I am so glad that I did if that's true would you let me know who you are so we can help you with that I'm not going to embarrass you or call you out I just want to know who you are just slip up your hand would you do that God bless you amen wonderful who else? Preacher, that's me. I prayed that prayer a minute. I'm glad I did. I just asked Jesus to be my Savior. God bless you, buddy. Amen? That's great. Praise God. Praise God. Who else? Preacher, I just prayed that prayer a minute. Glad I did good. 
That's great. Amen. Amen right here. Good. Praise God. Who else? Preacher, that's me. Prayed the prayer a minute. I'm so glad that I did. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God bless you, man. That's great. It's wonderful. We're praying for you. Now, if you're one of those five or six people who prayed that prayer a minute, glad you did. Listen, I'm not going to embarrass you, I promise you. But I want you to just take a quick second and lift up your eyes and look at me. If you'll do that, just give me a second. Just lift up your eyes and look at me. Good, 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 good. Okay, listen, good. When I get done, I, first of all, I want to say to you guys, welcome to the family of God. Welcome. Welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome here because you're welcome there. And I want to tell you this. We have a gift for you, and we want to help you in any way we can, okay? Right back here at the first, at the next steps table, we have some folks back there. They're going to give you a Bible. They're going to give you a Bible study booklet. And they're going to just make sure they got your number so we can stay in touch. And I want to encourage you, just step right back there in a minute. In fact, you can do it while we're singing, or you can do it when we're dismissed. But whatever you do, let us help you, okay? We can help you take those next steps, okay? Okay? Good. Good. Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord for that. And let's take those steps. Church, let's stand to our feet. We're going to sing. But I want to say this too, friend. The Spirit of the Lord is in this place. And it may be that he's trying to rescue you from something in your life too. And maybe you need to pray because you're in spiritual warfare and you've been losing. And maybe it is that today you need to come and just spend some time praying together with your spouse, your kids. Just by yourself, whatever, God, look, I heard you, I heard you today. I heard what you said to me. I heard what you said to me. You come and pray. If you just accepted Christ, if you will, just go right back. There's already some that have come. You go right back to that next steps table, and they'll get you just what you need to take the next steps in your faith. Right now, let's sing. How many of you believe you need the Lord?